welcome to the Teach in 10 podcast. I am Corey Schwarzrock, a teacher and division lead at Cary Grove High School. I'm Steph Succo, a teacher and instructional coach at Cary Grove. We're so excited to share different strategies and best practices that are being used by teachers across D155 in 10 minutes or less. Teach in 10 is all about celebrating great teaching and amplifying the voices of our amazing teachers here at District 155. Really, we're just here to have a good conversation about good teaching. In our first series, we are focusing on social-emotional learning through a series of different lenses. Today, we would like to welcome Chris Graham, who will be talking to us about her work with SEL and community building. Welcome to Teach in 10, Chris. Thank Hi, you. Chris. We hear so many wonderful things about the way you are supporting students and lifting students up. So could you get us started by giving us a random D155 fact? One of my favorite memories from starting is before the split between Central and PR, the, the hallways were just chaos. Like it was so crowded because we had so many kids. We had over 2000 kids in one building and just, and then to look at the hallways now and to think how far we've come, one of my favorite memories. So would you mind telling us a little bit about your career path or how you got here? So I started 27 years ago when things were very different in the district. And now um, I'm given a lot of our more challenging students because I'm old and I've gotten to just love kids like a mom. And that's allowed me to just get at kids at a little different level. And because I have the gray hair, I think I, I'm a little bit less intimidating. And so over the course of time, having all these different clubs and speech team and all these things that I've been involved with, it's allowed me to see kids from multiple points of view. And now I can just love kids in the classroom, just a whole bunch. And I love all the, the, the strugglers is what I usually call them. That's awesome. And students of all different types need amazing advocates like you. So can you tell us a little bit about your implementation of SEL and how you got interested in it in the classroom? So it all started because I have been so lucky to have amazing mentors like Kylene Gott and Lisa Rydberg who took me under their wing and really showed me what SEL is all about. So I always attribute this journey starting with there was one student in class who was very much struggling because a peer had committed suicide and he was struggling, struggling, struggling just to get to class. And Kylene told me, you can't give up on this kid. So I didn't. And that was the start of me realizing you just can't give up on kids. That's just how it has to go. And so even when our kids are most vulnerable and being the biggest jerks, you still have to come back at them with a good fresh start every day. So when Carrie Parrish came to me and said, we should totally do a class together. We agreed that SEL was where we wanted to dig in and increase our knowledge. So because I had some background informally, having that formal background in learning what does SEL really mean made my experience in the classroom so much richer because I was able to give kids that extra empathy that they needed and to help them be more self-aware. And that has been an incredible journey to really help students. What does that look like in the classroom? The easiest ways to start with some of that is to greet kids at the door and greet them by name. Make sure that they hear their name. I usually like to keep starting at the beginning of the year on my seating chart. Interesting facts about kids. Who likes motorcycles? Who likes cats? And I keep track of that so I can use that as examples in the classroom. One of the things that 
kids tell me consistently is that you can't just say, who needs help and expect a kid to raise their hand. You have to go to every single kid and say, what can I do to help you? Not, not asking, do you need help? Because all the kids need something. So what can I do to help you has changed my narrative and, my, and shifted me in the classroom. And labeling behavior in the classroom is really, really big. So when you see something happening that you want to continue happening, you have to call it out and you have to notice it. And kids are so good. They're all looking around and changing their behavior because they notice that you called something out. So calling out and labeling that positive behavior has been awesome. I love how you talked about asking them, what do you need help with? A shift I made this year was I, instead of asking who has questions or what, it's now, okay, what questions do you have? And reframing it really has been helpful. Mm -hmm. So if I were a classroom teacher and I wanted to take this one step further, what's a specific strategy that I could use in the classroom? The other thing that takes a little bit more time and effort, but is a very high yield strategy is goal setting. So if you are a teacher that has a test at the end of the week to set a goal of, okay, what grade are you hoping to get on that? What are you hoping to improve on from the last test? And walking them through what steps are you going to have to take really helps students be so much more self-aware, so much more responsible. And the way that I've been starting to do that this year is bi-weekly-ish emails home. And so by telling students, you're going to write an email home with a goal in your current grades and some things that we're doing in class this week, it really pushes them to think about where do you want to be by Friday, by the time we hit a certain break, by in two weeks from now. And if they can write down a few steps that they're going to take and send it home, parents then have some ownership in the process as well and can ask them about that. And the great thing about that is that seeing how many kids get an email home or get an email from home saying, we are so proud of you. That's huge. So if I can send that back, then we include counselors. They can send that back. They're getting, we are proud of you from multiple facets. How exciting is that? Especially in this time of COVID where we all need to hear that. That is very, very powerful. Um, I love the idea of the positive reinforcement from a lot of different angles. What are some other benefits that you have seen as a result of these changes you've made in your classroom? Sometimes I see that kids want to come to class. Now it's, you know, post COVID and we still struggle, but because they know that there's someone in the classroom that cares about them and cares about their voice, that just encourages kids to, to get to class. So by giving choice and by asking the class as a whole and individuals, what's working for you? What's not working for you? It makes kids a little bit more invested. And the other thing that I thought was so interesting is before we sat down to talk, I thought, I wonder how many kids have actually failed my class in the last COVID years. And the only kids, I looked at all the names and the only kids that I've really had failing have been kids that aren't attending and that they're not, they're not attending all their classes. So that's, I feel like that's beyond my control, but you know, kids are here and they're invested and they, they care about a class that cares about that. 
I love how you are constantly communicating, positively reinforcing those behaviors, and you're empowering students to also communicate, not just with you, but with their, their whole team of people behind them. That is absolutely incredible. So Chris, if you had a piece of advice for a new teacher, what advice would you give them to get started in this SEL journey? I would say, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. And that's really hard as a new teacher, right? You wanna think that you have control and you, you know the answers, but you know what? I still don't know the answers. And so be vulnerable with kids, share an appropriate story with kids, talk to them like they're real people and they respond like every time. They wanna be talked to like they're cared about and they're loved. So be a little bit vulnerable, don't be afraid to ask questions. And kids are usually surprised by how much I walk around the classroom. I feel like that's a really simple thing, but it's I know it's hard when you're in a classroom that's tight and confined. So you have to find ways to open up your classroom a little bit so you can actually get to every kid, see what's on their screen, see what they're doing and help them get unstuck. Cause you can see the kid that's sitting there staring at their screen, not knowing what to do, walk around and preemptively get them unstuck. And I think that that makes a huge difference. The biggest thing I would say is just don't give up on kids. Like don't give up. Even if they fail your class and you have that relationship intact, they'll come back. I love that. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your experiences with our audience. We would also like to thank our audience for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and let us know. Don't forget to subscribe if you would like to be notified when future episodes drop. Each episode will be full of easy to implement best practices shared by the teachers who are doing the actual teaching. Really, again, we're just here to talk about good teaching with our amazing teachers like Chris in D155. Our mission is to highlight and amplify the amazing things that are happening in our classrooms. Please help us expand our reach by leaving a rating or review wherever you're listening. And if you are a teacher at District 155 and you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who should be, there's a contact form on our podcast page. Thanks, Chris, and thanks, folks. Thanks for joining thanks. us. Bye.